What's going on everyone? What is cooking? Today is March 29th. That's a Monday. The year is 2021. Just in case you want to know. It is currently 3.41 a.m. Yep, up late again. Podcasting. Up late again. Fixing up photos. So how was your weekend? Well, guess what happened this weekend? I turned 44. Yep, the big 4-4. And uh, <laughs> I had a great time. I didn't throw a party for myself. Well, I threw a little party for myself uh, just with me and my parents. I'm the only child, by the way, if you're wondering. So I have no brothers and sisters. I got great cousins. I got great aunts and uncles, but no one was invited. I also have great friends, but no one was invited because I just was... I just felt I just wanted to, you know, just keep it easy and low, 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 low key. And what I did for, for my own self is that I, uh, I spent the weekend, uh, just barbecuing, reading, writing, uh, and also just eating a lot of cake, which I still have some leftover cake in the freezer. Well, not freezer, the icebox. I'm thinking about putting it in the freezer. Um, but, I'm almost all done with it, so I think I'm, I'll probably give myself diabetes by the end of this week eating that. It's really good. It was a it's a birthday cake uh, that we got over at Costco that is partially cream cheese and partially white sheet cake. Um, it's really really sweet and it goes great with milk. So, <laughs> and I'm a huge huge milk drinker, so I don't drink alcohol. I drink lots of milk, and uh, and you know I love. You know, if you like sweet things, milk is the best. You know, a lot of people complain about saying, oh, that's sweet, this is sweet. But if you are a big milk drinker, it's not a problem. So, you know, that's just my opinion. So anyway, you know, this weekend, I did barbecue. uh, I did some interesting things. I barbecued some short ribs, which I will talk about today. I, I saw the movie Saturday Night Fever for the first time in my life. I know you're probably saying, what the hell, Steve? Like, you know, you should be, you should have watched that movie a long time ago because that's a classic. That's what John Travolta is kind of known for. Ah, well, never got around to it. Uh, that was kind of, the movie came out when I was born, 1977. So I really apologize. Couldn't watch movies when I was born. <laughs> and, and just kind of like, brushed over me. I, I mean, I think I remember Star Wars, right? Star Wars came around, came out around the same time, but I didn't, I never you know, got to see John Travolta's Saturday Night Fever. I still haven't seen Grease. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I have three things I want to talk to you today about, and I'm going to do things a little bit different. Usually, I only have one commercial break, but I'm going to do uh, three parts to this entire podcast. So the first part, well, actually four parts. So I'm going to cut the commercial, but then when I come back, I'm going to talk about my barbecue. No, wait, hold on. I take that back. The first thing I want to talk about is my review of Saturday Night Fever. Okay, so I want to talk about this movie. Uh, that's on my mind first. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and then I want to talk about uh, my, I guess what happened just maybe about a few hours ago when I paid a trip to my grocery store late at night, and uh, I got to talking to some of the people there. Uh, you know, I make friends 
like in the weirdest places. I mean, I, I'm friends with my cashier at my local grocery store. <laughs> and, you know, we go there, there's not many people, you know, I, I go there at night and there's not many people, you know, working there. So a lot of times I ended, I ended up chatting up with, you know, some of these cashiers there and we ended up becoming good friends. So I learned some interesting things that I want to share with you. And also um, there was a new cashier there. And I just have to tell you that Common Core sucks. So you'll have to tune into that story, you know, to learn about that one. And then finally, I'm going to talk about my barbecue short ribs and uh, and my adventures in doing this. Uh, I know how to cook barbecue short ribs. I'm not I'm not a um, I'm not a novice at that, but I think they could become better. So I I do plan to go pro as a pitmaster later on this year. Uh, pitmaster Keith will be my sidekick. He also well, pitmaster Keith basically is my 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 chef, right? One of my, one of my sous chefs, right? So he kind of just follows what I say, and uh, he's been learning how to become a pitmaster from me, and he's so good that I really don't have to look over him. But all these improvements and everything to make our tastes better, to make our food taste better. Uh, usually, I, Keith is one of the taste testers. His palate, this guy, his palate is just amazing. I mean, I can I can put all of, all of these ingredi- ingredients on there, and he'll just be able to decipher which ingredient is which, how much I put of this and everything, and it's just great. I can't do it. I just, you know, for me, I when I eat things, I just love the infusion of flavors. I don't really worry about you know, trying to identify which flavor is, which, which flavor is which word it's, it's coming from, but he can. It's amazing. So anyway, there's three parts, maybe even four parts to this entire podcast. I'm going to try to keep it down to three, but we'll see what happens. So I'm going to cut to commercial. When I get back, we're going to talk about Saturday Night Fever, and then I'll cut to commercial again, and then I'll tell you about my story about about um, going to the grocery store. I'm not going to name the grocery store because I don't want you know my friends over there to get outed or that person, the new cashier over there, to get fired because she really messed up. <laughs> and and um, on the last thing, uh, the, then we'll cut to commercial and then we'll come back and I'll talk about my barbecue short ribs and whether or not it was good or not. So you have to stay tuned. All right, people. So here comes the first commercial. everyone i hope you're back from that commercial break yeah i turned 44 this weekend but i feel i still feel young except for my knees yeah my knees you know i've started to creak and crack a little more i'm not sure if that's old age or just overuse of my bones huh you tell me you tell me, are you getting older and getting more few creaks when you like wake up? <laughs> so, yeah, like, uh, you know, I wanted to go riding this weekend with my cousin and my parents over there. You know, we're all big bike riders over here. And myself, I think if you know from my one of my other podcasts, I love to bike. And I love to bike fast. I love to bike, you know, push myself to the limit there. And that's the way I kind of keep in shape. You know, biking can be a you know, full body workout if you do it right. It's a lot better than jogging, and, and it's a lot better than walking. Uh, why is it better than walking? Well, this is, this is all just my opinion. It's better than walking because it's a lot more entertaining. 
And it's better than jogging because it's a lot easier on the joints. So, but it's a lot more dangerous than um, walking and jogging because a high speed crash well, I can send you to the emergency room. So make sure you have some good health insurance. <laughs> so anyway, enough about me. Let's get into this Saturday Night Fever movie. Um, again, I've never, ever seen this movie again. And, you know, <laughs> I get hell from almost all of my friends. And it uh, doesn't matter. Friends, coworkers, or everyone. And it's because, you know, I... I, when I had two feet in the entertainment industry, and right now, currently, I have one foot in the entertainment industry, and when, uh, I guess, a very significant movie, I guess iconic movie, comes up like Saturday Night Fever or even Grease, I tell them, I've never seen that before. I really haven't. And you're probably saying, how can you not see that? So... Well, I didn't, right? And uh, I'm going to give you a movie review, a, re- a very quick one. I, I don't want to go too too much into it, but you know, it's really not my type of movie, you know. And I, I thought it was going to be a musical, but it's actually not. But for me, I really like I like superhero fantasy. I like sci-fi fantasy. I love Back to the Future, and I also love like extremely funny, edgy, well-written comedy. And when I say edgy, I mean it could be very gross. It could be very, um, you know, sick to a lot of people. But, you know, one thing I don't like about, I don't like violent comedy. I don't like Quentin Tarantino's version of comedy. I don't think someone's head getting blown off, like such as in Pulp Fiction, I don't think that's funny at all. But I guess some people do. I guess Quentin Tarantino thinks it's funny. I don't even think Quentin Tarantino is that you know talented of a of a filmmaker, to be honest with you. So anyway, with all that being said, I mean, I, you know, I like I like funny edgy um, edgy. Uh, I guess what do they call cartoons? You know, Paradise PD and Brickleberry. Paradise PD is available on Netflix. Um, you should watch it. There's three seasons right now. Uh, it is really, really funny. Uh, I love uh, Harley Quinn on HBO Max. Uh, Brickleberry, who, who is uh, from the creators of Paradise PD. In fact, Brickleberry came out first, and then Paradise PD came out. You know, that's available on Hulu. It's really, really edgy. Um, if you get offended by edgy things, then you you have to like not don't tune into those. Um, it's it's I love South Park. I still do love South Park. And um, that's, I think, available on, on Comedy Channel and also HBO Max. H- HBO Max, by the way, it, that is one of my favorite streaming services right now. I like it better than Disney+. Plus. Um, and then I, I, I just found this other um, cartoon called High School High. Uh, it, it only has one season. But man, do they push the envelope on that. I love it. Uh, I watched all 12 se- um, episodes, but... I think I'll rewatch it because I thought it was so funny. But they're only 10 minutes long a piece. Uh, it's kind of like um, Harley Quinn. I think Harley Quinn's maybe 15 minutes maybe at the most or 20 minutes. They're very, very short. But they're just really, really funny. So High School High is available on Hulu. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you watch it, but don't watch it with the kids in the room. So anyway, let's get back to the Saturday Night Fever. Now, for those of you who are not like me, I mean, actually, who are like me, I'm sorry. Those of you who are, who are unfortunately like me, who, who didn't see uh, Saturday Night Fever, well, here's a quick summary. So it's a really simple storyline. Um, it follows the life of Tony Monero. I think that's how you say his name. And uh, 
That's John Travolta. And he's, he's a 19-year-old who's really just discovering his identity. Uh, he works at a paint store, and he's really good at doing that. Uh, but then again, he's also a really good dancer. But he's torn between doing the right thing or just following his friends who are nothing more than hooligans. Um, and again, this is, you know, maybe typical 19 year old, you know, you know, hanging around, around the wrong people, trying to find direction in his life, right? Now, the characters to me, they're just a bit one dimensional. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be a bit screenwriter on top of you. I'm going to be a, I'm going to turn on my screenwriter like light bulb here. So the characters are a bit one dimensional. Uh, Tony Monero's character, um, my problem is that he doesn't seem to have a base fear that he operates out from, uh, like normal people. You know, people like you and me and everyone else, we all have a base fear that we come home to, you know? So, and when I talk about base fears, I'm talking about personality types. Our personalities, they really hover around what um, a fear. We all have different fears in our life. So for, for me... I have this ultimate fear of being wrong or doing the wrong thing. And, you know, again, that makes me into a referee. So I always point my finger at, at things, right? Now, the bad thing about that is that things that trigger me are when people do wrong things. It really triggers me and gets me mad, extremely mad. So that's where I have to pull back, you know, myself from, right? Um, some people who are geniuses have a fear of not knowing enough not so they're always they're information gatherers you know the compulsive information gatherers some people have a fear of being weak so they always have to look tough in front of people they you know they always have to look they they can't sometimes they lie about themselves sometimes they have to be even more tough to impress people to, to even to look more tough right now when we take a look at tony monero's character he's kind of his fears are all over the place so it's all over the map. So we really can't, you know, if you watch Tony Monero, you'll say, well, that he kind of re- reminds me of this guy, but not really this guy. He kind of reminds me of a friend I have, but not really of that friend. So what you really have is just a screenwriter or screenwriters who kind of created Tony Monero out of just like taking fears and, and the sins of, of, of all these different characters or people they know and kind of just put it all together. And the, that's the real big problem with this movie. Uh, now, when I say problem, I'm telling you that that's a problem from a screenwriter's point of view, right? From a rewriter's point of view. Okay. So, so I'm saying if I was a screenwriter, I would say this character, it has to have direction into it, right? So for example, you know, you know, Tony Monero, he was a good guy. And then all of a sudden he's an asshole. He was a moral guy. And then in the next minute, he was a rapist. I'm not even kidding you. That's what happens in the movie. He's this moral guy who says, "Hey, wait, wait a minute. We didn't win this dance contest, so go ahead and give the trophy, and, trophy, and the money to the better people." And then he takes his dance partner to the car and rapes her. <laughs> yeah, this is just not, not real. I mean, I guess you can have someone who's that bipolar in real life, but this is—he does this all the time. He'll, he'll be—he's this guy with so much dance talent. He's a—he's a, he's a charming salesperson. And then all of a sudden, he's rude to hell um, to women. And then all of a sudden, he's nice to women in his paint store. You know, it doesn't make any sense and all that right now. Now, again, does he have a problem with, does he have a, uh, an, does he have a problem with an image problem where he th- he wants people to like, you know, create, does he, does he create a false image that he sells to one, uh, one type of character or one type of, uh, I guess, group of people and, and protects himself 
you know, by, I guess, protects himself with this false character and doesn't let anyone to get close, right, by creating these false personalities. Well, no, not actually. I mean, he doesn't do any of that. So you really, myself as a, you know, a writer, I'm trying to pinpoint what type of personality type he is. We, where, where are these writers going? And again, the writers of that time, you know, they didn't understand behavioral types. They, they, they didn't take that extra step to, to create of a believe, a believable character that, you know, some people could say, well, that really reminds me of so-and-so to the T. And you know for a fact you've really hit the nail on the head when you write a character and everyone says, wow, that reminds me of so-and-so. You really nailed it. You, you really just, this is who he was. Now, many writers, the, the current writers now, they still don't know about personality types. In fact, they, they'll take a personality. Now, you know, Marvel and M, the Marvel, MCU universe and um, DC, those superheroes were based upon true life, true life personalities. And that's why so many kids and even adults could actually relate to these superheroes because they were, cross, I guess, cross-sections of real people. So that's, you know, if you want to become a writer, you know, you do still have to learn about, you know, storytelling, story arcs, story acts, and all those, all those different elements and ingredients to make up a story. But, you know, what trumps all of that is your understanding of people. You really have to understand how people operate. Then everyone operates from a base fear. So I know I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, but this is where it comes down to. So this is the problem with this script here or for, for Saturday Night Fever. So, and this is why the ending was a bit all over the place. Because it gets, again, this guy, Tony Monero, he has so many problems. He has so many problems. And then in the end, it ends, it doesn't end very cleanly. In the end, Tony Monero, he goes back begging the girl he just raped to be his new friend in the new chapter of his life. You know, it's, and this is after it's also one of his other friends just like, you know, stupidly, you know, fell off the bridge over there and, and over there in New York City. And, and again, he goes there with no fear whatsoever. I mean, not, no fear of like, or, or no remorse or no nothing. And, uh, you know, again, this is like supposedly, you know, this is like uh, a new beginning for him. You know, he, he just really knows what to do with his life now. Now, again, you know, he's not Tony Monero. That character is not perfect. We don't never we never want a perfect character, but we want a flawed character that is accurate to a personality type. Now, as far as this woman, though, where it goes right now, many people will say, what kind of woman would take back a rapist? Well, a lot of a lot of women do, and uh, they do have they do have a, a technical medical term there. It's called Stockholm syndrome, and uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, that's based upon uh, this woman Patricia Hurst, who was a very wealthy person, and then she was kidnapped, and then held by her kidnappers, and then she ended up robbing multiple banks with those kidnappers. She be, befriended them. So it's like, again, you know, she befriended the people who actually abused her. They abused her to that point where she basically became, you know, uh, I guess like a robot for them. And she was for her kidnappers. She was on their side, which was so strange, right? But those things happen. Like women become friends with their rapists or abusers. And, and it just happens that way. It happens to a lot of people. It even happens to men. It just doesn't have to be the women. Okay, so that in that case, 
um, that that character in um, Saturday Night Fever was actually pretty accurate. Now, with all that being said, um, I do give this movie a solid A. Now you're saying, you know, Steve, why could you give it a solid A? You just ripped it a new one. Well, the movie was entertaining. It wasn't boring. And, uh, you know, again, at the end, we're not watching movies to dissect them or to rewrite them. They're already done. Or, uh, again, or to be an asshole. There's always one of those assholes, you know, asshole friends over there who try to, you know, you know point out all the plot holes in there. And, again, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with doing that. Everybody can enjoy the movie that way. But they're just trying to do that just to be an asshole. This movie was fun. And I tell you what, John Travolta can dance. And uh, he can really, really dance. He can really, <laughs> he can really move. I had no idea he could move like that. So um, I give it, a, I give it a solid A. Uh, the script, I don't give it a solid A. I, I think I give it a, maybe a C or even a D because it didn't end well. There wasn't very strong turning points in there. Um, the characters were all over the place, very one-dimensional. Um, but with that being said, it, it didn't. The directing was so good. John Travolta was so good. It was entertaining. You can have a bad script. And the movie can still actually be good, okay? So again, all of those, those, you know, all what I'm saying with, with the critiquing right now, and I'm saying, when, when I say this script needs a rewrite, yeah, these are things that should have been said in pre-production. So if I were sitting in that pre-production meeting, I saw the script, it says, oh, where the hell is this story going? And, and this is the, another problem too with, you know, modern day, you know, movies where the screenwriters do not take this carefulness in, in understanding their characters, um, what happens is that if you don't have realistic characters and you have a character that's all over the place and with a lot of problems, which, which you, you, which you just pepper with a lot of problems, right? Like again, this guy, Tony Monero, if he has a problem, you know, if you have, if you think of any problem, Tony Monero probably has it. The problem with that is that you can't end it really that well. You can't tie it up in, into a nice bow at the end for the audience, it just has to end. You know, you don't know how to end it because everything's just so messed up. <laughs> you know, if you, you know, so that's the problem. That's the problem with this movie. It, it just, it doesn't end well. It really doesn't end well. There, nothing gets accomplished other than Tony Monero going, going to the girl he raped saying, oh, I think I'll, I'll, I'll get a regular life. I'll get a regular job. That's it. So anyway, that is my two cents on that movie. I'm going to be cutting to commercial now, and hopefully you'll join me on the other side because now I have a story to tell you about my recent grocery trip, grocery store trip that just ended maybe a few hours ago. I was just down there, and I got to get this off my chest because it's really interesting and really, really funny too. And it, <laughs> just to tease you a little, it has a lot to do with Common Core and how Common Core just sucks. It really, really sucks. Okay, so I'm going to cut to commercial now. Hopefully you join me on the other side. What is going on, everyone? This is your favorite complainer-in-chief, scriptwriter Steve, with a shameless plug for Dream Weddings Hawaii, a company that I just happen to own. Now, we specialize in romantic, intimate beach weddings, but plan weddings of all sizes and shapes. Gala weddings, eloping, surprise vow renewal, no problemo. So, if you are looking to tie the knot here in Hawaii, you better get in touch with me. Now, Dream Weddings Hawaii delivers quality that is extremely affordable, but don't just take my word for it. 
visit our website at dreamweddingshawaii.com and find out for yourself. That's dreamweddings with an S. That's weddings with an S, hawaii.com. So look at our awesome photos, check out our awesome, beautiful, touching ceremony videos, then take a look at our cheap prices, which I promise you won't faint at. Now, don't forget to read our five-star reviews. And by the way, we also take professional family photos. So visit our site at dreamweddingshawaii.com or just buzz me at 808-479-0685. That's 808-479-0685. everyone are you guys back from that commercial break okay it is storytelling time yeah it is storytelling time you know me (laughs) i gotta tell a story when i run into something stupid i gotta express my feelings of course my fear like i told you before is pointing out everything that's wrong with society, and there is tons of things wrong. I am a compulsive complainer, which makes me perfect for a podcast, right? Because I don't run out of things to talk about. Okay, so just a few hours ago, I paid a visit to my late night grocery store. Um, For those of you who know, uh, these are those grocery stores that are pretty much open 24 hours. Well, actually, it hasn't been a couple hours. I think it's been about five hours now that I'm looking at my clock. Wow, time really flies by. So, yeah, so anyway, I was there at around 11 a.m. And um, again, like I told you before, I become friends with kind of like the strangest people. Like people with some, um, ask me when I, a lot of times you invite people over, they say, how do you, how do you know so-and-so? I said, well, this guy, is, this guy was my mailman. Uh, th- this guy worked at the grocery store. <laughs> You know, and and again, you know, it's just one of those things, you know. And I'm I'm a very sociable person. I like to learn about people, and uh, I like to be around good people. And whenever there's good people to find, I invite them into my life. So anyway, I run into one of my friends over there at the grocery store, and uh, and he tells me. So we ask him, well, what time are you guys going to be closing? Uh, is it going to go back to 24 hours? And he says, well, he actually doesn't hope. It goes back to the 24 hours because um, they like it. They like to close the store at 12 p.m. or 11, or even so, 11 a.m. And uh, for the customers that they know, and uh, and they can kind of like decipher whether or not they're um, they're good or bad, uh, they'll let them come in the store. But what they don't want, and he said, this is for something very interesting. He says, right around 11:30 or 12 a.m. That's when all the hooligans come in, all these people who tend to shoplift, um, I guess, from the store. Now, this is a very big grocery, cha- grocery chain. And, I, and we, were, we were saying, whoa, really? It's, uh, it, the, the people are shoplifting from there? And they said, yeah. In fact, they, they don't look like homeless people or, or anyone like out of the ordinary. Uh, he said there was an older gentleman, and he, looked, he dressed just fine. He'd come in there almost every single day. And they found out he was stealing shrimp, trailloads of shrimp, uh, I guess putting it in his bag or something like that every single time. And they caught him on the last trip. So he said it, 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 it kind of boggled their mind because he was one of the regular customers. And in fact, he would even check out, you know, check, check out in the cashier, but then he would hide things that were inside of his bag. 
So they found out, they actually caught him. And uh, so we asked, oh, you know, did you guys call the cops on him? And they said, absolutely not. And, and we asked, well, wh why didn't you call the cops on him? So he says, well, it's because the cops don't do anything. And on top of that, secondly, our company doesn't do anything. So we, I asked him if you could expand on that. So he says that, well, cops said that in order for us to, if we arrest him, and that means that one of you folks there will have to come down to testify against him during the day. And uh, the, my friend says, well, yeah, like a lot of us are willing to go down and testify. But what that means is that a lot of times we have to give up our job. I mean, give up our hours, right? And this company that they work for, this big company, they're not willing to cover for the time loss in order to have the employees testify against the shoplifters. So it's kind of this perfect pretzel of, I guess, uh, of, um, of letting these shoplifters go. These shoplifters are kind of protected by this like perfect pretzel of just stupidity, right? So the cops saying, well, yeah, we're going to, we, if we or, we'll arrest him, but he won't spend any time in jail or learn his lesson, right? And then the people, the employees want to testify, but can't because corporate won't, you know, pay them for their time off to testify against these shoplifters. So what happens is that these shoplifters get away free and clear almost every single time. And all these, um, and all these, uh, I guess, employees can do is just try to stop them from stealing. So they are out there just, you know, again, they're being their own security guard because, you know, there's no security guard here at all either. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? So I had no idea. I thought shoplifters, once they call the cops and everything like that, everything is going to be, you know, that's it. They go to jail for something. But I guess the shoplifters, he said, they also know about this. So they keep doing it over and over again, even if they get caught. Can you imagine that? <laughs> that is just nuts. That is just nuts. Okay. On to the next story, because this is where things get really, really funny. Now, that story ended, so again, these two stories have nothing to, nothing to do with each other, other than it happened in the same store, okay, the same big grocery store, all right? Now, some of you may have, you know, some, like, I guess, idea of which grocery store I'm talking about. I'm not going to out them, because I don't want, you know, them, I don't want these employees to get into trouble, all right? So... I go to this grocery store and uh, I'm going there to buy foods to snack on because I'm going to watch Saturday Night Live Fever, right? Is that what they call it? Saturday Night Fever, not Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live Fever, Saturday Night Fever, right? So I buy a Klondike sandwich, I buy some um, a power drink because I got to stay up, and then I buy some you know, romaine lettuce for my guinea pig. And the total price comes out to $12.14. Very, very easy, right? And I said, you know what? I'm going to pay cash today. In fact, I have a lot of cash in my wallet, right? So I'm going to pay cash. Uh, usually, I use my credit card, right, or my debit card. But I said, okay, I'm going to pay cash. So I gave $13 in cash, expecting $0.86 cents back. So all of a sudden, the cashier, you know, she, ring, she, tell, she rings my $13 up, as $15. And then she looks at me and says, um, you, you have to give me two more dollars. And I said, why do I have to give you two more dollars? Um, the total price was twelve fourteen. And then she, then she says, oh, no, it's not. It's $15. Exactly. 
So that's kind of weird. So let me take a look at that. I saw it on the keypad here. It said $12.14. So lo and behold, you look at my invoice, my receipt, and it says a total of $12.14. She rang up $15. She made a mistake and put $15 instead of $13, right? Now, instead of voiding that transaction and redoing it and getting my correct 86 cents back, she starts breaking out, uh, 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 I guess, a piece of paper and starts f- trying to figure out how many, how much money she owes me, right? How much money, uh, I guess, the store owes me, right? My change is $12.14. I gave her $13. It's, it's 86 cents, right? So I told her, the change is 86 cents. And I told her, if you count back for 14, you have one penny that brings it to 15. Then a nickel will bring it to 20. And then just gave, then just give me 60 cents. And then she says, tell me, she looks at me and says, uh, how does that work again? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, I, I, I don't know how to count back like that. I know they don't, they don't teach us that. And then she starts scribbling again on this paper. I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to figure out the math here. And it's this long ass freaking equation, long ass equation. It, it, it goes down. I mean, it, you know, it's just, a simple subtraction to us, right? And there's zeros all over the place. And I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm figuring out how much money, you know, you, I have to give you back here. And then she looks at me and gives me a dollar and 84 cents back. <laughs> and I told her, no, 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 it's not a dollar and 84 cents back. You, you, um, there's something wrong here. And she holds up the receipt to me with all these zeros and ones and everything and all these things. I said, and it's common core, right? I said, and I, I'm like, I have no idea what math that is, but that's whatever it is, it's wrong. And she says, no, this is what we learned in school. I, I owe you a dollar and 84 cents back. And I go, Here's dollar 84. And I said, listen, the price is $12 and 14 cents. She says, yes, you, I gave you $13. She says, yes. How can I get back a dollar and 84? And she says, look at the, look at the paper. So I said, give me, give me a, give me a receipt, right? So, so she printed out, gave me a blank receipt, right? And I did the regular math in, right in front of her, carrying the, you know, you know, crossing it out and everything, carrying the one to the zero and so forth to come up with 86 cents. She looks at me and says, what is that? Um, that's, not, that's not how you do it. <laughs> I told her, this, like, you don't owe me $1.84. So find, what she did, she just put $1.84 in, in my hand and says, you're done. And I said, okay. And my dad who was there, he went shopping with me. <laughs> he said that, uh, you know, don't argue with, with her, you know, because we have ice cream here, it's melting and, you know, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. So we just leave. <laughs> I, I got back like, you know, a dollar, two cents more than I actually, I actually deserved. And she's going to, she's going to probably get in trouble because her cash register is not going to like uh, balance out at the end. I don't understand. Like on top of that, she didn't even call for help. She should have called for help, but she didn't. So <laughs> common core, it really sucks. And it would also sucks is that this grocery store didn't teach her how to count back money to give change. It just boggles my mind. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess common core has a place in it, but I don't know what it makes everything a lot more complicated. It's a simple, a simple equation. You know, take away $12.14 from 13, 
what do you come up with, right? <laughs> All right. That is my story for today. Uh, I guess my grocery story for today. I'm going to cut to commercial now. And we are, when I get back, we are going to talk about my barbecue short ribs this weekend. So again, oh, this is pretty interesting, right? For this podcast, I hit movies, I hit barbecue, and I also hit stupidity. So that's, that's kind of what I do, right? It's kind of what I talk about, right, from barbecue to movies. All right, so here's the commercial break. Okay, now on to our last segment, barbecue. I'm not sure if I like this new format, but we'll try it just once. I kind of just like to keep talking, if you know what I mean, right? Okay, I'm going to turn this music down. Okay, so uh, for this, I guess we'll call it the barbecue segment of Barbecue 2 Movies. And... uh, before I get into my little, I guess, excursion down barbecue short rib road, um, I had a pretty interesting, um, I guess, uh, message here regarding barbecue, um, barbecuing brisket. So uh, I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm actually going to, I'm going to troubleshoot it for this gentleman, and uh, and I'll just, re- I'll, start, I'll start reading it, and then I'll comment as I basically come up with all the solutions, right? So anyway, he says here, um, brisket continues to be the bane of my existence. Perhaps I'm overthinking it, or I just don't have enough practice. And truth be told, I've only cooked four briskets and I'm not happy with the results. The last one was the worst. I'm embarrassed that my briskets turn out so bad, but admitting it is the first step. So here it goes. So here's what I did. Bought a 13 pound Pracker brisket, superior Angus beef. I trimmed it very lightly, only the big exterior chunks, and took a V-notch piece from between the point and flat. Now, that's number one. What the hell are you doing taking a V-notch piece of uh, piece between the point and flat? I don't agree with that at all. You should trim as much as um, you should trim your your fat on top of your brisket till it maybe it's about little about maybe a half a centimeter thick, right? Because that fat will will actually um, uh, reduce when, once you start cooking it. Okay, so you want a little fat on there. You don't want a lot of big, you don't, you don't want a lot of thick fat o- over there. So you want to trim it pretty good. All right, the thicker the fat is, the less uh, I guess opportunity opportunity there is for smoke to penetrate into the meat. So you want pretty good. You know, maybe about again half a centimeter, centimeter, maybe about holding it up. Maybe my fingers there. Maybe about um, three or four millimeters to be exact. Okay. That's how far you want to trim your fat and screw the V-notch. I don't know what the hell you're doing there. Okay, so going on. I decided to try to brine it in order to get more salt into the meat, so I salted it well with kosher salt and left it overnight in a pan covered with plastic wrap. So dry brining it, that's fine. Um, I haven't done that yet. I will do that on the next time because I do like to. I do want more salt to get into the middle of, of my meat. Now, I, I have heard that... If you do dry brine it, um, it does work. So I'll see. So I really don't know. I really don't know. Okay, so next morning, I took the brisket and coated it liberally with black pepper and little granulated onion and granulated garlic. Okay, that's fine. Um, I would not coat it liberally with black pepper. Okay, go a little light on the black pepper. Okay, so then I actually cooked it 
fat side down at 7.15 a.m. with nothing in the water pan except for foiled ceramic pot based. The temperature was set on the digit queue at 275 for the duration of, of the cook. So he's cooking pellets. And uh, just number one, I say, if you're going to cook pellet, you're not going to get good smoke flavor, all right? Okay, so um, you, if you want good smoke flavor, you got to cook it on a standard offset and you got to burn wood, completely burn wood. Um, but anyway, um, as far as having no nothing in the water pan except for foil, a foiled ceramic pot base, oh, big problem there. You always need to put water into your a water pan in there. You need, to, you need to put water in the smoker, period, all right? Uh, you need that, um, I guess the heat in there, you, you want that smoke to be filled with moisture so it will just stick to, the, it'll stick to your, your brisket. And if you don't do that, it's going to dry it out a lot, okay? It's going to dry it out. It's going to dry out your brisket and you're not going get, to get as much smoke flavor penetrating the brisket at all. Okay, so um, anyway, I, I, let's see here. I got, the, I got the, the pellet smoker and then I put on chunks of oak in there and then I wrapped it twice in butcher paper at the 167 mark, which was around 12 p.m. So again, he's putting in little pieces of oak inside there, inside the pellet, the pellet, I guess, grill. I don't know what they're doing over there. Um, they wrapped twice in butcher paper at the 167 mark. So 167, that's when your... Um, Okay, if your brisket goes to 167, you, that shouldn't be an automatic trigger for you to start wrapping your brisket. You wrap it when you feel you have enough bark on top of there, where your bark looks nice and black. Not charcoal black, just a nice black where you'll be happy with actually the way it looks, okay? Um, that's what's really important, okay? At 167, that's the stall. So briskets, beef, pork, it'll all stall at around 155, 160, 165, that's when it stalls. And you want to kind of push it through that stall. This is when this is the opportunity that that you'll 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 have to actually create a bark. The bark starts to be created at the 167 mark. So for example, if he's actually wrapping it at the 167 mark, as soon as it reaches 167, you're not gonna be you're not getting a good bark on top of there. All right. And then wrapping it twice in butcher paper. Uh, I'm not a big fan of butcher paper because it tends to dry out your meat. All right. So then he um, cooked it. He says, I cooked it to the trusted thermometer and pulled it off at 199, which was at about 9 p.m. And I probed it tender throughout. So he basically poked, he used his uh, um, temperature probe to actually, you know, to poke it in there and, uh, you know, and, uh, and see if it was tender. And it was. So he came inside and let it rest for about 25 minutes. Well, that's a problem there. You have to rest it for a long time. You should rest it for about, uh, I would say, anywhere between a couple hours to even 12 hours. You know, I rested mine about 24 hours. Um, he separated the flat end point. You don't need to do that. Do not do that. Um, when to start cutting the point and when to start shred. When I started to cut, when I started, um, he didn't write it properly. When I started to cut the point, it was shredding and falling apart. This was my first clue that something was seriously wrong. So I cut the flat and had a very dry exterior. Well, that's because of the butcher paper. And for a fact, you'd have no water in the pan. And the inside was dry and falling apart. I had to saw thick slices so they wouldn't fall apart. So he had to saw it because your blade, your, your knife is not sharp enough. You want a really sharp blade 
Don't use, uh, some people are using a bread, bread slice or bread knife to cut your brisket. No, do not do that. Get a sharp blade. Make it, spend the money, get some good metal in your hands, and sharpen that blade really tight. Okay. Um, my family refu- refused to eat it and I walked off in shame and disgust. Even the dogs refused samples too. Okay. That's a little, that little part is a little extreme, but here are my thoughts. Somehow, um, I think I know what I should have done or not done, but any assistance in getting my playbook correct should be appreciated. Um, you know, salting the night before may have pulled the moisture out. That's what, that's what he's saying, which affected the exterior interior. Maybe, maybe if I wrapped it in saran wrap, that would allow the moisture to re-enter the meat, but doubtful. Uh, next time I'm only going to apply rub the morning of. It was way overcooked, almost 14 hours cook. It was insane for the temperatures I was running. Um, the size of the brisket and the fact that I wrapped it with butcher paper. I should have started probing at a, around 180 for, for doneness and ignored the thermometer. What else could be missing? Practically speaking, if you use butcher paper to wrap briskets, then you, then you, then are you to unwrap each time you probe or just shove that sucker in and pierce the butcher paper? Thanks for all your thoughts. Okay, so first of all, butcher paper will ultimately get you um, get you a, a drier brisket. If you want, if you use butcher paper, you have to use beef tallow and kind of a beef tallow is like beef fat, and you kind of just um, you, you you kind of just coat the the butcher paper on there before you actually wrap it, and then you wrap it with the beef tallow on there, and that will help keep it very very moist. Um, Texas, is, it, the people in Texas like to wrap it with butcher paper because there's a theory that butcher paper actually, um, uh, actually, uh, it makes the, the bark very crispy. And it is true to that point, but it also dries out the brisket a lot. Um, for me, I, I really love, um, using tinfoil. And, uh, the problem with tinfoil is that it does have a tendency to make your, make your, um, I guess your, your bark a lot more moist. So what you do, if you do wrap with tinfoil, you should be cooking it at that point at really at really a high fire. We're talking 325 or 350. And that way, it'll, it'll still create a nice bark on there, keep it nice and crispy without burning it. And uh, then you have a really, really tender cut. So I would say my advice to this person right here is, first of all, you have to smoke it, smoke your brisket with a water pan at all times. Start it with a water pan. Make sure you get water into that brisket. Make sure that that air into there is very, very moist. Um, that air that you're cooking in your smoke is very, very moist. Uh, make sure your water pan is as close to your heat source as possible so that water boils, right? And make sure you keep refilling that water pan. You know, don't put, a lot of people put the water pans where there's no heat on it, right? You don't need, it, it's not there just to look look nice, you want that water to boil and you want that water to come out there, moisten the air. And, and that's the reason why you put a water pan in there. It's just, it's just completely useless. And don't use a small, a big water pan. Use a pretty small water pan and don't fill up a lot of water in there uh, where it takes a long, a long time for it to boil. Okay. You know, keep it maybe about at the most two inches deep. That's it. Don't, don't, don't actually put, a water, uh, I guess, a pan in there and make it five inches deep. You know, some people put a five inch deep, five inch deep, um, I guess, baking pan in there and the water doesn't boil. And they say, oh, but the, the water pan didn't make any difference. Well, it's because you have too much water. It's too deep. It's not going to boil. So you have to have it boil in order for it to work. Okay. Very, very simple. Keep it close to the, you know, for me, I have a very shallow water pan. 
and they keep it right next to the firebox. And it is the first thing that is in touch with heat. So it, that gets heat that, that gets heated up real quick, and I have to refill. I have to re, 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 uh, refuel my water pan with water about every every two hours or so um, because I am boiling that much water. Okay, so anyway, I would do that, wrap with tin foil, and then finish it with a very high fire at three twenty five. So you have a nice bark, you have a very nice, uh, moist, um, I guess, uh, brisket. As far as brining it, I'm not sure if brining it actually makes a difference when it comes to like, uh, uh, I guess the, um, I guess the, the moisturize, the, the moisture in the meat. Um, the problem with it, the problem, the problem with a lot of people see is that when you put salt on top of meat, um, it immediately, it, it does immediately start to, to pull moisture outside of the meat. But the truth is, is that brining, a, any type of meat makes it more moist. So this is, and I, I knew this before I actually started barbecuing. Um, you know, for here in Hawaii, we we don't we marinate a lot of our meat, and you know, you, marinating is basically brining your meat, right? And those pieces of meat come out very, 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 very moist. And uh, a lot of smokers out there, professional smokers out there, uh, do brine their briskets, and they do actually brine. They're short ribs as well. And I'll get into that. So um, that's my advice here for, for this gentleman is to basically always use, you know, fill up that fill up that water pan that's built into your smoker, okay? Built into your your actual, you know, pellet smoker. Use that. You know, fill it up with water, all right? Um, and uh, let's see here. Wrap with tin foil. And uh, also cook through, cook a little through the, your stall. You know, cook cook a little through it, maybe about an hour or two through that stall. Um, I like to I like to um, cook it to maybe it's about one eighty or so, one seventy five, one eighty. That's when I feel my, I guess my um, my bark is coming along a lot more nice. And then again, you know, don't. I guess when you wrap it, you don't really have to look at the te- don't have to look at the temperature. Look at the the quality of the bark. That should tell you when to wrap. All right, and then also. Oh, one more thing. Spray your brisket with water or any type of thing. Apple cider vinegar and water, half and half. That's what I do. Spray it every 30 minutes after the first two hours. You don't want that meat to be, you know, to get dried out. And you'll find it, you know, you'll find it after two hours, that brisket does tend to get dried out. So you want that, you want to spray the fat, you want to spray the whole thing uh, all the time, every every 30 minutes, every hour or so with apple cider vinegar uh, slash water, 50-50, you know, um, type of a... Uh, um, I guess solution, or you could just do it all with water. It doesn't really matter. Okay, that's about it. So now, anyway, that's my advice for that. Okay, that's, that's my first advice, my first email I, I got. That's pretty cool. Um, now, as far as the barbecue short ribs this weekend, I cooked it for my own birthday, for my parents and I. And um, again, I'm no novice when it comes to bar- barbecuing short ribs. Um, and I cooked it this week with uh, some Kiave wood, uh, also some lychee wood and also hickory wood. This is just dry wood that I could find around the house. Like a lot of my kiave wood, I'm currently drying, um, aka seasoning right now. Um, but it is uh, not fully dry yet, so it's not the best type of. It's really not the best type of um, wood to smoke with because it's it's kind of hard to catch on fire still, and it doesn't burn the cleanest. 
So um, anyway, I started cooking it at around 1 p.m. because uh, I woke up late. And then I, I got it in the smoker, salt peppered it, didn't brine it at all, and um, just started managing the fire from there on. And um, I wrapped it at around, I think I wrapped it at around 167 or so like that. This is, this is where, this is where the, the meat actually started to stall. And uh, here's the funny thing is that I think maybe in the beginning of the, of the cook, I started to tell myself that, you know, I don't really trust these temperatures. And um, for those of you who barbecue or are trying to get into barbecue, uh, you basically barbecue how you fly a plane in the dark. So when I, when I say that, it's basically you're just really relying on your instruments. You're looking at your temperatures. You're, you're looking at all these, all these different temperature gauges to really gauge what's going on with your, I guess, with your meat, with your heat. And um, you really have to trust your equipment. And I was getting just really funky, funky readings all over the place. So what I did is I, I broke out another thermometer and I just kind of poked it in the same place, put the put the grill, I guess put the thermometer in the same area my, as my grill thermometer, just to test out to have a redundant system to see if any of my thermometers were off, and they weren't. So then with the two thermometers in there, the two thermometers poked into my barbecue, I said, okay, this is good, this is great. So what I did was I just relied on my equipment, cooked it to about 167. I wanted to, the meat at that time, it was stalling, um, but my bark had not formed that well. So I wanted to cook it to maybe, I wanted to kind of pull it out at 175 or, or closer to 180. Uh, but, but with that being said, it's just, you know, I wanted to eat because it was my birthday. So I, I pulled it out, wrapped it into, into tinfoil, Stuck it into the stuck it into the um, the the oven, regular oven, and cooked it at three twenty five, so I could create a nice bark on top of there, and it came out of there very very tender, uh, perfectly tender in fact, and I cooked it to two o I think two o five, because I I had a feeling that my thermometer was about two degrees off, and it was. Uh, the real accurate thermometers, by the way, are not these portable thermometers. They are the folding thermometers, and those are the real, very, very accurate ones. So you want to be pretty, pretty accurate with, accurate with, with that, right? So you want to poke it in there. It came out to two hundred three, which was great, and it did the poke test. You always want to poke your poke your meat to make sure it's you know the the um, the temperature probe goes in there like butter. It, that is really not a good, I guess, way to test things sometimes because. Uh, sometimes your probe can be really sharp and shoots, it'll go into your own skin like butter. Okay. So you have to really know the sharpness of your thermometer. If it's not that sharp, then yeah, good way to test. If it's really sharp and small, then you may have a problem. Okay. So, um, anyway, I, I, um, when we got it out, I didn't really rest. I rested it for maybe about five minutes. Uh, if I were cooking this professionally and for my friends, instead of for myself, I would have rested it for at least about, you know, three to five hours. Um, but when we, ta- we, we, we cut it open, we tasted it. It was pretty good. It, was, it wasn't the best, but it was good. Um, but the problem was, was that there was no flavor, um, I guess, in the, in the part of the meat that was closer to the bone. And uh, so I thought, you know, even my father said, well, there's a lot of smoke flavor, but the salt didn't penetrate all the way down, I guess, next to the bone. So, you know, I was trying to think about how to improve that. Uh, number one was, I thought, maybe injecting the meat with a salt brine or to put the salt just, you know, further into the meat. That would be one option. 
Uh, number two would be to brine it, to do a, a dry brine. And I've been reading on top of um, different forums and different professional restaurants, they do actually brine their meat, dry dry brine it, just for a couple of hours. That means they put some kosher salt on top of it, all their ingredients, and just stick it in the fridge for about a couple hours and just allow that allow that salt to kind of melt into, I guess, in the meat. And I think even just leaving it, leaving the, the, the meat outside for a couple of hours, that'll be fine too. Um, that way the salt crystals will actually penetra- penetrate a lot more. I always feel that if you put salt into the refrigerator, it doesn't allow it to melt into the meat if you're, if you're going to do a dry brine. And um, I do dry brine my salmon. I don't, you know, do a wet, wet brine with my salmon. And uh, my mom accidentally put my uh my salmon into the refrigerator and the salt crystals never dissolved so that that was a really really big problem when it came down to smoking it so anyway uh my i think I'm, when i try to do this again i'm going to try to dry brine it for a couple of hours outside of the fridge before i throw it on top of the um the i guess the pit and that's about it so and i think i may also try to brine one with a wet brine uh maybe overnight those are always kind of tricky because you have to really pull it out uh, when, I guess, at the right time because if you don't, it becomes too salty. Now, the question is that, um, uh, you know, should someone try to brine, I guess, wet brine a brisket? Now, yes, they do that all the time. Uh, people wet brine a brisket all the time. And guess what? That's how you make pastrami. That's exactly how you make a pastrami. So I will be trying my hand at actually making a pastrami the next time I make a brisket, which is very, very soon. So that's going to be interesting. So uh, anyway, that's my barbecue story for today. Uh, my barbecue, my short ribs for my birthday turned out okay. I think I give it, I give it maybe a C or a B. You know, I'm very hard on myself. I think there's room for a lot of improvement. It's not my best. I've done a lot better uh, barbecue short ribs. Um, and uh, I think I'm hoping that next time I can give myself an A. It's a good thing I'm not professional yet, right? So this is the time where you try to experiment and come up with different recipes all the time. So this is what I'm tr- going to try to do. So I, w- I will report back to you on all of my adventures on this. And if it works, I'm probably going to say it worked, but I won't give away my secret. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to do that, right? If you're going to be a business, if you're going to be in business, you can't give away all your secrets, right? So anyway, that is about all for, uh, I guess, this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I am out of here. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hey, I hope you like my podcast. If you do, don't forget you can subscribe to me on any of the podcast platforms out there. Just look for Barbecue 2 Movies.